Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Today in Town Packers podcast. My name is Griffin. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at All Day Packers, and I'm joined by Braun, who you can follow on Instagram at Lambo.Leapers. We're coming back to you off of another another Packers game, not a win, sadly. Losing to the Vikings is worse than losing to just about anyone in the NFL. It's 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 a pain that you can't quite replicate in the NFL. It really it really sucks losing to the purple and gold. Braun, how are we doing after that after that loss? Yeah, it's always tough to lose a game when you're, as we are, so used to winning. And even this year, you know, eight and two, the only loss uh, apart from that week one blowout being with Jordan Love. So this is definitely a little bit of a change of pace, especially with how Rodgers played and and how the offense kind of found its way. To see the defense, um, you know, partly allow 34 points is, you know, that was different, uh, definitely something different compared to what we've been seeing over the past several weeks. Um, so a bummer to lose that game, but overall, um, you know, we have, I feel like our, our future is bright still, um, but we're going to get into all that, right, Griff? Yeah, it's, we've got so much to get into, but I guess we got to get this out of the way, the news, the very unfortunate news, MRIs confirmed today on Monday that Elton Jenkins did indeed tear his ACL during the game on Sunday. Just awful news. I mean, the injuries, they just keep on coming, man, and and we've been so lucky these past two years with injuries, no big losses. And this year, it's all coming back to bite us. Elton Jenkins, the latest. I mean, that really hurts. It really hurts. An offensive line that's been struggling all year, and now the best player on it, the most consistent player he can play everywhere along the line, is now out for the season and likely out for a lot of next year, too, as we've seen with David Bakhtiari. So probably the worst thing that could happen to go on top of the loss. Yeah, that one hurts a lot. I mean... With everything that we saw, obviously, David not being there, and I mean, Elton was our guy, right? He was the guy who was holding down the fort for us, and then we're thinking about how good this O-line can be with both of them on the field again. Now it's kind of like plug and replace. Like, yes, David Bakhtiari is the best left tackle in football, but I mean, it's not going to be like we're we're not going to truly improve. Like, it, it won't be like we're getting the band back together, getting healthy. It's like we're kind of just replacing there's no, there's not going to be that boost that we're looking for. We have to keep Royce Newman, Lucas Patrick, John Runyon. Those guys are going to be on the field now for the rest of the year. Is that good enough? I mean, there's a question there. Exactly. That's the worst thing. It's We've been looking forward to David Bakhtiari coming back for so long because not only does it – it not only does it improve one position along the offensive line, it improves two because we can kick Elton out because he's so talented and can play anywhere. And, and now we can't do that. And how valuable is a left tackle, even the best left tackle in football? Really, how valuable is that? How many wins is that worth? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. But it's it's certainly a bummer. And now David coming back is going to – he's just going to replace Yash Nijman at left tackle. And it's probably going to be an even bigger upgrade than it was him replacing Elton based on uh, – just based on how Elton's played. I, I still have faith in Yash. Hopefully he can hold down the forward. He played pretty well on Sunday when he had to come in. And he played well earlier this season when Elton was hurt. But um, I, I just – it really sucks, and it's really a bummer. But – if any team that I've seen in my years watching football is able to come over that, it's going to be the Matt LaFleur Packers because this team is so resilient. And even after that, it was a sack deep in their own territory. Elton's out for the year. The, all the energy is sucked out from the team, and they're still able to come back and take the lead in the game. It's 
this team is one of the most resilient teams. Matt LaFleur is one of the best coaches in football. I don't think it's going to, I don't think it squanders our Super Bowl chances to be, to be frank. I don't, I don't, I think we have just as good a shot as we did uh, with Elton. It certainly sucks, but I, I just, I trust this team too much, you know? So, I mean, all right, let's, let's just get into this game now then Griff, because the way we started was just rough. Like obviously on offense, things just weren't clicking. And then the defense, you know, Justin Jefferson is the story of the game, right? I mean, he was the guy who had such a big impact. And this is where you missed Jair Alexander because it, it really, like, Kevin King struggled against pretty much everybody in front of him. And when Kevin King, Mr. Inconsistent, when he is not playing well, um, you know, it just puts everything, you know, we can't do anything on defense because we're expecting him to, when he doesn't play well and we're expecting him to, that puts everybody else out of sorts because, uh, he just couldn't cover Adam Thielen or Justin Jefferson, and both of them really had decent days. And this is a week after what we did to Seattle with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Those two guys, arguably as good, if not better, than the duo of Jefferson and Thielen. Um, we shut those guys out, and that's when Kevin King was playing well. But here he comes, and he looks – He just you can tell. like, How is a guy this good, right? He's supposed to be very good, and when he's good, he's very good. But when he's bad – he looks as bad as anybody in the league. Like he looks like Griff. He looks like you out there sometimes like, gosh, I mean, goodness gracious, this guy could look really bad at times. And it, it he just looks like a complete non-athlete. It's like, I swear Griff, you're like, you probably look just as good, just as bad. I should say out there uh, as him on some well, of those on, plays man. against Justin Jefferson. Me, no. Man, you're terrible. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, it's <laughs> no, it's, I mean, this game is not all on Kevin King. He didn't play well for sure i mean his best games are when you just don't notice him but he when you do notice him it's always bad like that tackle attempt on the Thielen touchdown what are you doing there man like he just looks so he looks so unathletic and he does not change directions very quickly so jair coming back i cannot stress this enough jair coming back is really going to make a difference but i mean overall Eric Stokes, he's taken his lumps all season. He took quite a few lumps on Sunday. Uh, the touchdown to Jefferson late in the fourth quarter. It's I swear to God, man, everything, everyone in this secondary is so sticky. They are always glued onto the receivers in perfect position. The ball's in the air. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. And then they somehow always find a way to allow a completion. It's incredible. Eric Stokes especially. I'm hoping he figures this out because he is on his man like glue at all times. And then he just always somehow finds a way to look the other way. Kevin King in the NFC Championship game, the first touchdown of Mike Evans-esque. Uh, uh, it's just everyone in the everyone in the secondary, they have missteps like that against great players like Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins, who's played as well as any quarterback in football, as much as I hate to say it. Uh, he's he's playing great this year. When we run into talented offenses like that, with so many guys who are just they're just not going to play the ball. Rasul on the last play to Thielen that iced the game. Like God, man, you're in perfect position. They that's a that should be a pick. Kirk was trying to throw a pick all day. Darnell could not catch to save his life. He should have had like four interceptions on the day. Uh, it just it didn't work out. And this is why defense is so volatile, man. It's a lot of the times defense is relative to how well the opposing offense is playing because if we we're getting so excited over this defense all season especially the past 4 weeks against great quarterbacks and great offenses and then they just come out and they they poop their pants 
at, on a 1 p.m. game on Fox to Kirk Cousins, who is he's always an MVP at 1 p.m. So not that surprising, I suppose. But it's that's just how it works, man. And the offense, it sucks because it, they really put it together in this game. And the offense and the defense, they can just never play on the same page. And it's it sucks that we that we had to lose this one. I, when you thought when you talk about the defense, right? How many times did you feel like they were playing well that game? Honestly, it, to me, like look about think about Kenny Clark, right? How he was just dominating the line of scrimmage, and then Preston Smith had a great game, and he's playing like elite football this year. And both of those guys played really well, dominated the line of scrimmage a lot, right? Tyler Lancaster played well up front. I thought Devondre Campbell had a good game. Like Chris Barnes didn't have a great game, but I thought a lot of these guys that were expecting to come out and play well. They did. Like, I thought Darnell Savage, apart from the fact that nobody in that secondary, apart from Adrian Amos, is able to catch a football, um, apart from that, I mean, Darnell had breakups. He played well. I thought he was pretty good uh, in coverage overall. The corners struggled, but, um, I mean, th- we did play well in, the, in different areas, I thought, across the defense. And we still had 34 points, and we lost the game, and, and the offense showed up finally, and, and it was a little bit late, I mean, but they still put up. 31 points and of course we haven't even mentioned the difference of the game being the fact that Mason Crosby hit a 54 yard field goal but missed the chip shot 31 yarder terrible terrible outcome for this game considering you know going into the halftime when we scored that touchdown Rodgers made one of the best throws I've seen him make to Josiah DeGuara who made a great adjustment looking like a veteran out there um with some of the stuff that guys like Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams are able to do off schedule he made a great adjustment and he got open and made a great catch off one of the great throws of Rodgers' career. Um, and to see that, and it made me excited about this offense, and I felt confident that we were going to win the game, even being down by six with Minnesota getting the ball to start. And then, you know, just the things the way, the way things unfolded, it was almost like so many little things that I didn't think were going to be a big issue at the time, they came back to bite us in the end, like – you know, there were a couple, like, I'm looking at these things and there's like, that's a holding that they're not calling, or that's, you know, that should have been pass interference, or like, just, you see these things. When Adam, I felt like Adam Thielen stepped out of bounds on that one big play, that, that one to Rasul Douglas that you mentioned, felt like he stepped out of bounds, they didn't check it. I felt like that catch, that should have been a catch for Darnell Savage. I don't know what caused them to review that and, and overturn it, because the one that, um, that was just a week prior, the one that was made, uh, that was that was in question. I forget who made the pick, Griff. Do you remember? You're thinking of Kevin King, I think. Right, yes. And he made that pick, and it was reviewed, and it was called a catch. I thought that was very similar to the one that Savage had. He never really – it's not like he lost control. He went to the ground, had the ball. This was kind of similar to what Des Bryant did. Now they changed the rule, and that's a catch. Seemed like that was exactly what it was, and if he was a receiver, I feel like that would have been called a catch. So that's – you know, that was another thing, and it's just like the penalties were ridiculous – all of the above, like you just throw it all together and we lose by three points. And just in addition, obviously that Mason Crosby missed field goal. It, that just like the icing on the cake of why we lost that football game. We beat ourselves. The referees didn't help. Um, and that's really the end of it, right? Like Kirk cousins gave us a bunch of chances to, you know, win the game by giving us turnover opportunities and Preston Smith caused a strip sack and all these different things. Like, I don't think Kirk Cousins played all that well, right? Like, I thought he had a couple of good throws, but Justin Jefferson did most of the work. And, uh, you know, the defense got to him, and he had a lot of turnover-worthy plays. So to me, I just it's definitely disappointing to lose that game that I felt like we easily, easily could have won at multiple different points. 
that sums it up pretty much. It's just one of those games. It reminds me of the Colts game from last year or the Buccaneers loss in the in the playoffs in the championship game. Just one of those games where it's so many things, so many missed opportunities. Obviously, a lot of people are looking at the missed field goal because that literally would have been a tie game if Crosby makes that 32-yarder shorter than an extra point. Um, the kicking worries, dude. Uh, we got so much to talk about, Bron. But either way, man, it's... It, we've won so many of these types of games this season, and the Vikings have lost so many. This is their seventh game of the season decided on the final play. They've they've led by seven points in every game this season. Only team in the NFL to do that, and they're four and five, five and five now. And we have won how many games that have been decided on just a few plays? The Bengals game, they literally were gifting us missed kicks. We were gifting them missed kicks too, but um, so were they. The Cardinals game decided on the last minute interception. The Niners. The Niners game, right? That one was that. That was a. a miracle from Rodgers to Adams I mean so uh, eventually variance was going to go against us but I think I think the biggest thing here Bron it's you know initially it hurts it does hurt really bad but the biggest thing is I posted about it this morning on Instagram uh the cavalry is coming man this is like this is the Packers light Uh, Game of Thrones reference incoming this is Jon Snow fighting to take back Winterfell with like a hundred men and we've got Littlefinger and Sansa coming with the Knights of the Vale to save our ass. Bron, I know you've never seen the show, but all you need to know is that it's one of the best moments of the series. My that's, dad will enjoy that right reference. Now. My dad will get okay. that reference. I won't though. <laughs> it's one of the best moments of the show. Battle of the Bastards. And that's the Packers right now. We've got David Bakhtiari hopefully coming back. Although LaFleur said today there's a plan, but sometimes things don't go according to plan. I don't know what that means. He's been activated off of the pup list for weeks now. I don't know what's going on with that. No one's being candid about it. But we at least expect him to come back at some point. Uh, Jair Alexander expected to come back. Zadarius Smith, Rashawn Gary didn't play. It's all these guys. Obviously, no Elton Jenkins now. But still, Aaron Jones, Josh Myers, the offensive line should get better. And it's. I think it's just going to be a much different team in January. And maybe the team is just trying to at least get through the bye week with most of these guys, including Bakhtiari, at least get through the bye week. And then I think a lot of them, they're just going to give until January, until week 17, week 18. Still feels weird. And then the playoffs, hopefully we get the first round bye, although it's going to be hard without most of those guys. But hopefully if we can get the bye and we have a whole different set of players on the field for that first divisional playoff game, it's going to be so nice. And there's so many reinforcements on the way. And it's going to push everyone else further down the depth chart. And this team can just get so much better. And when we're able to lose by three points and the offense is able to look better than it has all season against a great football team, maybe not a great football team, a great offense, I can say that. Kirk's been great this year. It sucks, but he's been great this year. So it wasn't totally unexpected that they were able to score so many points as they did. But when we're able to keep it as close as we did and knowing that we could have won it on so many opportunities... It's not the end of the world, you know? I mean, certainly, like, I, I told you this, Griff. Like, I didn't feel completely horrible about the way that game went. Like, apart from the fact that, yes, we could have and should have won it. It's only, It was like the Colts game last year. You made a good point, And it really was like the Tampa Bay game, except a little bit less, obviously, like, catastrophic to our season hopes. Um, but the Colts game last year, that was a great team at the time. Like, that was the best defense in football at the time, and we went and we went to overtime with them, and we were literally a fumble away. Like, we were going to win that football game. 
Um, and it should the, the worst, it, the, really the only bad thing about this game is the, obviously the injury to Elton. That's, I mean, we can't overstate how, how that's a real issue. Like that could be catastrophic to our hopes in some way, you know, whether we know that now or not, but you know, getting that loss tacked onto our, to our record is that's really the worst part. It's not like just, it's not like we played terrible or anything like that. It, you know, the defense could have played a lot better, but like you mentioned, very not healthy right now, this defensive unit. And you said there's hopefully a lot of guys coming back. Um, and then on offense, we did show like some really good things. And I thought Rodgers played, I mean, that, that second half, I, I would say that last possession all the way into the, the second half, that stretch for Rodgers might've been his best. And he only threw what? I think he threw 10 of 11 passes. Um, he went 10 of 11 in the second half. And then that drive before that, he had obviously finished with that big touchdown. I thought that was maybe his best stretch apart from like that Niners finish. I thought that that was one of his best stretches of the season. Um, he looked really good. Adams had a great game. I thought AJ Dillon quietly had a nice game. Um, other guys got involved and Matt LaFleur was scheming up some incredible plays. Um, and Rogers and MVS finally got, you know, that connection was going and MVS is to me, he's playing like a premier guy right now. And, and that that's important. Cobb got his job done too. I thought it was a great, great game, both from Matt LaFleur and Rogers when you went to the second half. If we did that in the first half, we probably could have won the game. We do have issues and concerns, but there are certainly, you know, there have been worse losses that probably have more, um, I would say, like that leave a really bad taste in your mouth about the future of this team. I would say this is one of those that only really hurts our standings in the fact that we want that number one seed. And this obviously took us out of that spot for now with the Cardinals sitting at nine and two, Packers at eight and three. Um, so that's really where we're at now. And and that's just, that's the bad part about it. Really? That second half offense, it was, I, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know if I time traveled, if I woke up from a fever dream, if I had been living in 2018 for 10 weeks, but that second half was like Matt LaFleur was digging around in his backpack and found the the 2020 playbook like oh there it is oh Aaron look what I found let's let's get out there and Rogers I talked about this he he found the the 2010 film that he talked about last summer because it was it was so weird it was we were calling plays that I thought just weren't in the playbook anymore I we didn't go five wide at I, did we did we do it once because I can't remember it happening LaFleur was so deep in his bag and it's like where has this been all season long. Why have we been doing this stupid crap all season? Where has been the creativity been? The bootlegs, the handoff to Randall Cobb on third and one, and then the pitch to my Dylan. gosh, oh my what God. a play! That oh was, my me off goodness, my butt, dude. I literally stood rounds. up. I st- you got to give EQ the credit there. Like, he made some good plays in this game, right? And then oh, yeah, you just dude. mentioned it, right? You just mentioned it. That that play where they handed off to Randall Cobb, and I was like, "Are they really going to give it to Randall?" Like, I like giving him the ball out of the backfield on third or what was it, third down, right? I think it was third or fourth down, and it was he, third and one, right? Exactly. So they give him the ball, and I'm get thinking, stuffed. I was like, "Oh exactly, no!" Right? Because he was going to get stuffed if he, but the option of it, and then he just makes a perfect pitch to Dylan, and then he gets it. I'm like, that is a gotta have it play, and they got it right. And so I thought Matt LaFleur did such a great job. And the thing we talked about, I emphasized this last week, Griff, why are we not throwing the ball deep? It's like we just didn't – all year long we have not thrown the ball deep. And when we have, Rodgers wasn't really connecting. 
Same thing in the first half. He, we were trying. Rodgers wasn't connecting. But he kind of like fought through like the kinks that they had to work out, and they did. And then all of a sudden, Rodgers couldn't miss anything past 20 yards, right? And he just looked so incredible. All the receivers were on the same page with him. And that's the thing I want to see. Like, he looks so good. All the off-schedule stuff. Like, that's the stuff we've been missing. Like, we know he can do that still now. Like, we know that he can still move around. And this is with his toe injury that we haven't even barely talked about. His bad toe injury that he's dealing with, he's moving really well. He's super fast looking. He's moving around the pocket. He's evading sacks. He's not lost a step, Griff. And that's why I want to keep this guy around for as long as he wants to play. And to me, that, that the way the offense is operating now, like you said, kind of like what we were doing last year, MVP-style ball, Rodgers threw 385 yards, four touchdowns. He kept throwing it deep in this game, and it started to work. And if we can keep that going and marry that with the fact that our defense, apart every game except the first week and this past week, has been literally lights out. If we can just get those two units to play together, and the special teams for crying out loud, but if we can get them all playing together at the same time, we might actually win every game going forward if we're able to do that only. But it's a big step, and it's a big important one uh, to get the offense rolling, like you said, despite the loss. The quick game that I think made the biggest difference in the second half, the quick game marries with the deep passing game so well. We saw it on the 75-yarder to MVS. Harrison Smith bites so hard on Devontae because for for what, 13? No, uh, 28 minutes, I guess. I just had to do math in my head. That was tough. Uh, 28 minutes in the second half, Rodgers had been dinking and dunking it and then going over go, going over the top only to Devontae. And then he finds MVS wide open in the middle of the seam. Because everything in the first half, everything all season, has been literally, maybe not literally, but pretty close to the Mike McCarthy offense where it's five wide, Aaron takes the play clock down to one second, reads the defense, finds a matchup he likes, and see who, sees who can get open. Uh, every time they're showing man, he's just going to sh- chuck it up to MVS, which is what I do in Madden. If I see a guy in obvious man coverage, press man, I'm going to chuck it up to my fastest receiver. But that's not something you should be doing every time you see it in the NFL. And that's something that we've been doing all season long. And then finally, in the second half, we get back into the playbook. We do the quick game stuff, the offense that Rodgers was so good in last season. And hopefully he's reminded of, wow, my numbers look really pretty when I play within the offense like I did today. And he's 10 of 11 with 197 yards and three touchdowns in the second half. I mean, 158.3 passer rating, obviously. I mean, he was incredible that entire second half. So hopefully that's a spark, a galvanizing moment, if you will, for this offense going forward. And when we're playing that well through the air, we don't have to run run the ball. And I'm sorry for the run the ball crowd, but Royce Newman cannot block a piece of furniture. Neither can Lucas Patrick. It's, oh, goodness. It's, if you want more three and outs, run the ball more on early downs because it doesn't get you anywhere. When we can truck a man or two. What was it? First and 20 and we ran the ball. I was just like, oh my gosh. And we ran it for like, I think one yard. And I was just like, oh my gosh, that was a great it's waste of It's one thing down. if we have Corey Lindsley in there, man, who can literally move people. But we don't have that. We cannot run block. A.J. Dillon is running into two men on every single snap. 
and it's it's not efficient football. And so I know the passing game hasn't been pretty all season long, but I can't complain about it because the run game is even worse. And at least we have an MVP at quarterback and a Hall of Famer at wide receiver. I, I'll I'll go with that not working rather than the run game not working. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, like, who do you want? Whose whose hands do you want the ball in? Right? Like, I'd rather give Rodgers another chance or, you know what I mean? Like, as opposed to running it for three yards on second and 20, and now we're in third and 17, or even you know, like when we get in those situations where we're behind the sticks because of the, you know, how ridiculously, you know, shocking it was to have multiple penalties. Like we never do that all year long. These past three years, penalties were not an issue, at least not consistently. Right. And now this year we, it's been the same thing. And, and the penalties just, stacked up in this game and they kept piling up and uh set us back a bunch of times we started to overcome it because the offense was so so hot at in that last drive before the half and then in the second half we overcame all that um but this running game it's not going to get any easier without really Elton Jenkins one of the I mean he's probably the best run blocker that this team has even with David and then not having him getting David back will help but for now it's Yash Newman's not good. Like you said, the furniture line, that was probably true. Like he just really is not good in the running game. And the amount of times you see somebody blow right by him, uh, even in the passing game too. I mean, like Newman's just not, not great, but now it's not like we can even go out and add a guy that would help. Like it's, it's more so like we're just filling Elton's place. If we do that, um, I don't know what we're going to do. Like, I don't even know who's available at this point. Maybe I'm sure they'll look into somebody. Maybe they start Dennis Kelly at tackle, move Turner in the inside. I don't know what's going to happen, like, but I don't know how much longer this can continue that, with I think, the guys could in the be middle. Beneficial. I would like to see. I, think, I don't know what Dennis Kelly has been up to these days, but I'd like to see him maybe get on the field. Yeah, that would be nice. I mean, he looks like Bakhtiari. Maybe he can play as well. Didn't he start all <laughs> all sixteen games last season for Tennessee? For Tennessee something yeah. like that. I mean, he's run yeah, blocking behind know. behind uh, Derrick Henry for a year. I, I think he might have a little. Yeah little experience in that department for A.J. Dillon. The thought of having Royce Newman in there, like set in stone pretty much now, it, it really it really sucks, man, because it reminds me of the Byron Bell days and the Lane Taylor days and the Justin McRae. Remember him? Good old 64. I met his uh, I met his like cousin or something at a flea market in Florida one time. But other than that, Justin McRae I do not have fond memories of. Um, but other that's, than his cousin at the flea market, yeah, that was your favorite memory of Justin McRae in Green Bay <laughs> and, and Byron Bell. <laughs> oh gosh, no, no, are we gonna do famously this? Famously or infamously, damn me on Instagram in 2018, telling me to what he I can't remember what he said, but he was not happy with what I was posting, probably because he, he was said not something a good about player. you said something about what his effort or something, and oh, he said he he has. What did he ask you to go out there and, and block or something? No, 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 no. Because I, I was putting like film on my story. I was in 11th grade, putting film on my story about uh, him, you know, doing a bad, having a bad rep in pass protection, uh, funnily enough, against the Vikings in Minnesota. And uh, he DM'd me. Don't know how he found it. I didn't tag him. I wouldn't tag him. But right. uh, he DMs me and says, um, how about you post the other plays where I was right. locking guys up or something like that? None of me. Didn't even get a chance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. And well, poor Byron Bell. I mean, what did he allow? Six sacks in a game one time? I mean, yeah. But anyway. <laughs> no. <laughs> did he not do that. that? 
That wasn't no. What, it was him and uh, who was it? Chaz Green for the Cowboys that one game. Whatever. He was part of it. I mean, well, was, let's yeah, let's not act like he like was in the Pro Bowl, Griff. Yeah, he wasn't. He was no. He, he was, was great, bad. But, um, let's just end it there. I mean, I, mean, I, I bet he him and Royce him or Royce, Royce Newman. I was gonna say who's better, him or you? Like who? Where? Who would he rather be right now? <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I don't know what he's up to. Maybe Lafleur gives him a call. No, that's oh no. god, no. Um, anyways, we need, you know who we need to call? Anybody? Somebody? Yeah. I don't know who's out there yeah. though. That's the thing. I don't even know who's out there. Yeah, I don't know. No idea. But um, it just seems like for now this is the line that we're gonna have to deal with. Not great with Aaron Donald coming to town, but uh, Lucas Patrick as well. Josh Myers. I'm excited for him to come back. Is that po- is that set in stone? I mean, is he definitely coming back? It's not set back? in stone. The team's optimistic, though. The team's optimistic that he can come back at some point, as they are Ugh. with so many of these guys. And Lafleur doesn't say anything about any of them. What I is say up it with over and over. I say I thought it he was coming and back over, in week Griff. seven. Griff, I say it over and over again. This guy Matt Lafleur is the best in the NFL at saying a lot, but saying absolutely nothing. And David Bakhtiari, first of all, they made it seem like he could possibly remember at the beginning of training camp when they were like considering whether they would activate him right away and just like keep him on the 53 and then they put him on the pup list. So then that ruled him out for the first six weeks. We're like, you went from possibly playing week one to now he's out for the next six weeks. And then it was like, it seemed like as if he was just going to go kind of get up and play. And then now they've been letting him kind of warm up or whatever for these past several weeks. Now, I don't know if there's been a setback. They will not say. But why is all of a sudden so much just pessimism surrounding his situation? Rogers said it was uncertain, like his status is unknown. I don't know what's going on. But Matt LaFleur would definitely not tell you. No, he won't, and it's pretty annoying, along with Jair. I mean, I'm sure he's sick of being asked, but is he worried about com- competitive advantage? I don't know. Just come on, man. We want to know. That's what he's he always says. Guy. It's I, I know. Mean, I, I mean, like, who, who like, I, the one thing I never understand and will never understand is how, like, the, the team is going to prepare for your best player, right? Of course they're going to do that. And, like, if they have to go from preparing – from Jair, like, why do they even float the idea around that he's going to play if they know he's not? Or, like, or vice versa. Like, why are they even going to consider him not playing if he's going to play? Like, it's just, and Matt LaFleur never directly tells you, even though he definitely knows already, like, most of the time. He did say that David Bakhtiari's not coming back this week and they're going to reevaluate after the bye, but this comes after, you know, we thought he would be back week seven at the latest. Like, and this is after we thought he'd be back week one. Like, I don't know what's going on at this point. Yeah, me neither. I mean, of all these guys, Bakhtiari's the one that I can see them being like, it's an ACL, first of all. It's an ACL, not not a great thing to have, especially as an offensive lineman. And they literally just made him the highest paid left tackle and offensive lineman in NFL history, like four or five weeks before he tore his ACL. So I can honestly, it, it would suck, but I can see them just saying it's not worth the risk this year to bring him back. But I don't know. I've I've no idea. I wish I had more information. Well, sadly, we don't. It seems like Lafleur thinks he'll play this season. He said that today, but um, I don't know when or how. Or you know, we just don't know. That's why the problem is it's Yash Neiman right there at left tackle, and I don't know. Hopefully, he holds up. But it's like, can we really? It's a unit. I mean, we've got guys with so much like inexperience. 
Patrick at center, he has the experience, but he's just not very good most of the time. Like he's decent and he'll contribute, but he's just like he makes a lot of errors that could cost us and he's just not as good as like some of these other guys like we've had over the years. Corey Lindsley, we miss him a ton. I mean, his consistency was amazing. And it's just we've lost all these guys now. Like the guys that we wanted but most. Corey, Elton, David, like they're not on the field. We're missing those guys, and it's just painful because our o- our O line is completely just different now. It's not the same, and it's 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 hurting us in some ways. It definitely sucks, and it definitely makes you miss Lindsley, and it definitely makes you Monday morning quarterback the decision <laughs> to not resign him. And uh, yeah, that's off season talk. But as it stands right now, offensive line not great, but. They can overcome it, as they showed on Sunday. And uh, when LaFleur is helping out the tackles like he did, when you're chipping Everson Griffin, Josiah DeGuara laying men down, it's that helps a lot. But let's talk a little bit more about the defense here because it was very weird. I mean, even, even weirder than the offense all of a sudden turning into the number one scoring offense that they were last season in the second half. Uh, the defense giving up 34 points and giving up so many deep throws. That was the thing. So many deep passes, which was so weird. And this was the thing that this defense did so well is preventing those throws, even to big play offenses like the Seahawks and like the Chiefs and like the Cardinals, other than that one completion to Hopkins. But uh, they've, you know, they've really kept everything in front of them. And then this game, I don't know what the game plan was. They blitzed Cousin 14 times. 14 blitzes, and that's the most since week two against Jared Goff, where we blitzed 15 times. Other than that, there hasn't been a game this season we've sent more than 10 blitzes. So I don't I don't know if Joe Barry really liked the the thought of overwhelming the offensive line of Minnesota and just sending more at them than they can handle because I mean, you've got Kenny Clark. I think he can I think he can do a lot of that on his own, which he did. He absolutely bullied Mason Cole for the entire game. The pass rush wasn't the issue. There was pressure on Kirk pretty consistently. Uh, I don't know why he, he he thought that blitzing Kirk and leaving his guys in one on ones against Justin Jefferson would be would be the play there, but I'm I'm Monday morning quarterbacking once again, and obviously it did not work out very well. Henry Black, he's looked good this season, but he did not play well. He gave up that touchdown to the, or Jefferson out of the backfield. I mean, not much you can do about that. He just made a better play, and it was man coverage, a lot of man coverage. And uh, like I said at the top of the show, they're sticky. These guys are in good positions, but just they take their lumps and they give up. They give up deep balls, and that's what we saw a lot of on on Sunday. Unfortunately, from this defense. Yeah, I mean, we just have to hope the defense gets together again. And I feel like you know sometimes. We thought about it last year. Like, that Colts loss put us in position to be like, okay, we got to win now. Like, you could tell how badly this team hurts when they lose because it's it doesn't happen often, right? I don't know how this team feels in the locker room. Like, how does Aaron feel? I guess we'll find out more on Tuesday when he talks uh, and Wednesday when he talks to the media. But, um, I mean, like, what is this team feeling? Are they just like, this one kind of slipped? Or is it like man, we got to we got to correct everything. We got to like refocus. Like, you know what I mean? Sometimes we find that out hearing from guys after these big losses that we suffer. But um, I I do expect this defense to bounce back. It's going to be tough though. Like this Rams matchup, you mentioned it, Griff, Aaron Donald against that interior does not sound fun. Von Miller against our tackles, you know, whether it's Yash or, or, or uh, Bill, you know, I don't, it's going to be tough. Like, just trying to stop that pass rush. It's going to be a lot of chipping. 
obviously Jalen Ramsey playing cornerback. He's going to try to probably travel with Devontae, even though Devontae probably wins most of that matchup. Like it's still, it's hard because he's very good corner that I just don't know. There's not a lot of avenues for us to really get the job done. Like it's going to be a lot of it's going to be the running game. I don't know if Aaron Jones is going to play. I doubt it, but it's going to be a tough game to win. And this defense certainly has to step up. And the offense is going to have some trouble too. So we're going to have to see if they can kind of take advantage of the things, the very few things that are there for the taking. Yeah, the, their defense is not what it was last year. Obviously, they lose Brandon Staley, although he stays in the same building. That's pretty weird. They lose John Johnson at safety, who's who's a great player. So such it's a good player. A little bit more lost there. Yeah, a little bit more vulnerable than it was in 2020, but still really good. When you have Jalen Ramsey, I mean. I guess we have Devontae Adams. I, I just forgot for a second that we have the best receiver in football. So I was going to say that he kind of takes the receiver out, but uh, not Devontae. Hopefully, hopefully we get a little bit more one-on-ones because we saw in the playoffs last year, we saw a lot of a lot of motion from Devontae. The touchdown he had, uh, Jalen threw a little temper tantrum in the end zone, jumping up and down, but he was right. It was the other guy's responsibility. So hopefully I want to see more one-on-one routes because Devontae looked really good, but there was only like three or four really clean one-on-one opportunities between Ramsey and and Devontae. I remember one on a really big slant for like 15, 16 yards. That was really nice. So hopefully we get some more of that. But anyways, Darius Williams, he played really well last season. He's not playing that well this season. Um, They've you know they've got their they've got their weaknesses. We saw San Francisco just go right down the field on them all game long uh, last week, a week from when we're recording this ago on Monday Night Football, and it it looked like a pretty efficient offense that maybe similar offense that we run. We don't have the same offensive line, but uh, maybe we can recreate some of that. Oh, and the Rams are coming off a bye, so I mean they do have the full week to prepare. I mean, so there's that. Hey, they've too. been preparing for the 2021 offense, bro. They're they're not ready for the 2020 offense. We're getting ready to throw at them. McVeigh's been like, "Oh, this is a completely different offense than what we faced in January." Scrap that game plan. Let's prepare for this version of the five wide, inefficient offense, and then we're gonna throw up <laughs> McVeigh's exact offense right back. Hopefully, Matt Lafleur really, like you said, like I want to see him really go deep into his playbook against a guy that, you know, he likes Sean McVay and they're friends and whatnot, right? Like, this, these are the type of games Matt LaFleur really likes to win. Like, he wanted to win that game against Kyle. Um, and this is another one. Like, this is one of his good buddies. He wants to go out there and win because these guys, him, Kyle, um, and McVay, they're always thrown around together. Oftentimes, you know, Matt LaFleur is talked about as like a disciple of Sean McVay, even though they were most of the time on the same level. Um, in the early days of their career, like I, Matt Lafleur wants to w- win this game, and I, I feel like he's got a good opportunity to pull out some stuff that he's been saving, hopefully. Um, and it's really about the defense too. Like the way Stafford has played these past few weeks has been bad, but before that, he was playing really good football. What we've been doing to good quarterbacks, apart from this past week against Kirk Cousins, you know, doing things to Russell and and Patrick Mahomes and and Kyler Murray, like shutting those guys down. We're gonna need to do that this week against. Um, Matt Stafford and company, OBJ as well, who we thought we were going to get and did not, as usual. But uh, that's you know he'll probably be more active in the in the game uh, than he was in that first game, uh, since he's got the full week to now learn the playbook and get in, in completely entrenched in the offense. So they lost Robert Woods. It's now OBJ kind of like replaced 
and uh, we'll see how that goes for them. But it's certainly going to be a tough matchup. This is a great game, you know, on paper, big one for the standings. We always talk about, you know, our, we're trying to get that number one seed. This is a big, big one um, for that. If we can get a tiebreaker over the Rams, that's important because we've got one over the Cardinals already. Uh, we have to take advantage of these when we can. So this is, it feels like a must win, right? Cause like, if we don't win this game, it's almost like kiss that number one seed goodbye because we're sitting at four losses. And uh, yes, we could go 13 and four, but um, just the way that these other teams are playing, it's tough to lose games in this league. And if you go now, if you lose three out of your last four, it's, it's just tough. So, I, I you know, we're going to win the division. Let's try to get this number one seed, and it starts by winning this game against the Rams. Yeah, the one seed percentages go way down with a loss here. But dropping to eight and four really hurts us man I mean it's I talked about it last week against Seattle or two weeks ago I guess previewing the Seattle game with a loss to Kansas City all of a sudden that Seattle game means way more than it did already and that's the same thing for this Rams game losing two in a row is not something we want to do uh the Rams I mean at this point I think it's safe to say that LaFleur is a better coach than Sean McVay he's way better at the fourth down stuff and McVay has no balls whatsoever he sends out the kickers every single time he 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 can uh, LaFleur is much better at that stuff, and I think he's shown more growth in his play-calling creativity than McVay has, and a lot of this, a lot of the times we saw Jared Goff just be a complete game manager, and he he had really good seasons, 2018, 2017, he looked really solid, and like he could be something, and uh, Matthew Stafford has kind of just unlocked everything that, that Jared Goff wasn't able to do, he has Obviously, Stafford's a better quarterback, as we can tell by how Goff is playing in Detroit. But um, I still don't think Stafford's as good as a lot of people think he is. And a lot of his throws are literally just wide open because the offense is so good. Losing Robert Woods does hurt them, but they've replaced him with OBJ. That didn't go too well on Monday night, their first game without Robert Woods in their first game with OBJ, but um, still they've got all kinds of talent. Cooper Cup, he has nine receptions of over 20 yards. He leads the league in touchdowns. Him and Stafford are kind of having the statistical season that we saw from Rodgers and Devontae last year, where they're just every game that they're in, especially against bad opponents, they're just completely lighting up the scoreboard. The thing that scares me the most with LA is the the deep passing. This wasn't a fear of mine a week ago, but coming out of that Minnesota game, now it is because they've Stafford is the third most yards on throws of twenty plus yards. Uh, he they is a deep passing offense, and Stafford is so good at throwing the deep ball that uh, if they have guys open, there's no doubt that Stafford's going to be able to hit him. And if the, if the if the defense plays anywhere near how they did against Minnesota, then that might be a problem. I don't suspect that to happen. I just suspect them to play more zone coverage like they have all season because that's been the that's been the Joe Barry defense this season is keeping everything in front of you. And uh, that's they kind of just went away from that on Sunday. I'm not really sure why, but I don't expect them to send as many blitzes. Most games this season, we've only sent like four or five blitzes. Like against Russell Wilson, we only sent five blitzes. Why? Because they've got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. It's not worth it to have Eric Stokes one-on-one with Tyler Lockett when uh, just so we can get extra pressure on Wilson. We have the guys who can create pressure on their own. So I don't expect them to blitz as much as they did against the Vikings. Hopefully Joe Barry kind of learned his lesson there. But um, I, I think it's going to – I don't know. I have no predictions because I could honestly see it going either way. With this defense, uh, I don't know what to expect anymore from them. Two quick stats here about just the current state of the Packers and, and after this loss, what it really means for the rest of the year. 
you look at the last two seasons under Matt LaFleur, and, and, and in that first year, 2019, they started out 8-3, and three, and they finished 13-3. and three. They did the same in 2020. They started 8-3 and three, and then won out, finished 13-3. and three. This year, they're 8-3, and three, right? There's an extra game in there now, so we'll, we'll see how that turns out. But can they do the same thing where they go on a stretch after a loss, look themselves in the mirror, and turn into that hot football team going into the playoffs where they've gotten the bye these past two years? May or may not happen now, depending on mostly other teams and how they play. Um, we have no room for error now with regards to that bye. Uh, but, you know, it's still possible. And even if we don't get it, you know, at let's say we finish uh, 14 and three, um, that'll probably get it. But if we, even if we don't, whatever, like, can we win enough games to feel like we're in a position where we're feeling good and going into the playoffs at our best? That's that's really the main thing, right? Because, you know, we're going to win the division right at this point. That's we're winning the division. The difference is. Do we get that number one seed? And if we don't, nothing else really matters. I mean, it's just matchups at that point, right? So I don't know what else really there is to say. But with that, you know, you look at the way this team has played over the course of every season under Matt LaFleur, now this being his third, they have still yet to lose back-to-back games under Matt LaFleur. This is going to be a test, obviously. The Rams being a great football team. They've lost some games, though. Like They have lost pretty big games. They, they're coming off a loss back-to-back, um, just like we are, we're coming off a big loss now, too. Like These are two losing teams these past couple weeks, um, and it's this is a big game for both teams. It determines a lot, and it kind of almost eliminates one or the other from that number one seed contention in a way. Um, so there's a lot on this on both teams' plates here, and, and this is certainly going to be a big matchup. Yeah, this is just as much of a must-win for the Rams as it is for the Packers, probably even more so given that they play in the same division as the Cardinals and they already lost to the Cardinals this season, which we obviously beat the Cardinals. So it's, it's going to be a good game. Um, uh, we've got some fan questions to answer. I know you asked for some on your story as well, Ron, but first I've got to use the bathroom so you can one minute or I'll likely just cut this out. I'll be right back. Okay. I've returned. I'm guessing you've had no- nothing to say since you're still on mute. I guess so I'll find not. out when I edit this, but, um, Let's go to let's go to fan question. Well, first, Braun, let's do score predictions. I'm gonna go with a win. Matt Lafleur's never lost back to back games, so I'm gonna go with a. The I think the offense is back to their 2020 form. Rodgers is gonna make a late season MVP push. Adams is gonna go back to his hundred yard two touchdowns every single game, and I'm gonna go with 38 to 24. X factor. Oh, you didn't even have to ask today, Braun. X factor. Give me. Ooh. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Okay, thanks for elaborating on that pick. Anyway, I'm going to go with uh, I'll go with 27 to 16. I feel like this is going to be – we'll play well on offense, but it's going to be a dogfight. This is such a big game, playoff-like atmosphere. It's going to be tough to score over 30. We know how good that Rams defense can be. The players they have on that on that squad is are truly uh, – you know, they're, they're going to be tough to contend with. And I think the defense will probably get back on track in some capacity. This is, you know, it's not like they have a fantastic running game. Like, they have a decent running game, but there's not a guy that's going to go out there and, like, totally beat you. Daryl Henderson's really their main back. But, um, you know, I I do like this matchup for us offensively and defensively that, that will give us enough to win the football game. So I'm going to go with 27 to 16. And my X factor is going to be the offensive line as a whole, as a unit, really, because – 
it's going to be tough to contend with Aaron Donald up front, Von Miller, the rest of that great, uh, you know, those those linebackers and pass rushers that they've got um, attacking the quarterback. Um, that's going to be really tough. So if they if they can play well, give Rodgers enough time, create space in the running game, that'll be big and and super crucial to what we're trying to do on offense and hopefully winning the football game as well. Okay, well said. Let's move on to fan questions. I'll go first. Okay, we'll we'll kind of go back and forth here. This first one comes from da- Daily AJ Dillon. Oh, ugh. I'm only asking this because we didn't talk about it. When is it time to get rid of Crosby? <sighs> I don't not know. Not never. When? What do you well, mean? I mean, I'm well, not, not saying not this season. No, I don't. Well, I guess we'll see how what happens the rest of the way, but. Like if he costs us, if he costs us in a big game, like a playoff game or something, like if, if, if he costs us, maybe then it's time to like, look for another option. I don't know. I mean, everybody says, Oh, cut Crosby. And it's like, well, think about what happens then we've got a rookie kicking or like, you know what I mean? Like JJ Molson is on the practice squad. Never seen him kick a football in my life. Do we want that over a guy like Mason, who has been so good? He's had so many clutch kicks in the playoffs and in big games. Yes, he's been on a bad stretch, but he has had to deal with the fact that he's got a brand new long snapper and a brand new holder this year. And this is not easy, right? Like it's not it's not something that you have to. Uh, it's hard to understand, but it's different. It's not just snapping and holding and kicking. It's it's more than that too. It's timing. It's steps. It's you know, just everything. Like it, it has a lot to do with the fact that Mason isn't making some of these kicks. A lot of the blame goes on him, but that snap on his miss was very wobbly. Like it's got to be a better snap. It could have been tighter. The hold was good. I mean, but a lot of other times it's been like the hold wasn't good, and that was what happened a couple weeks ago where it was two bad holds in a row. I don't know what the situation is. I'm certainly not giving up on Mason yet. Um, it's going to take a lot. It would take probably a game that would cost us like a playoff. If he missed a bad kick in a playoff game, maybe you look for something else. But at that point, it's already too late, and we're moving on to a new season anyway. So hopefully that doesn't happen. I mean, I'm I'm kind of done making excuses for him as much as it. I, obviously, I love Mason Crosby, but I think he's just in his own head. I think it's just like just one of those seasons. Uh, is he in his own head about – the fact that he's missed so many, or is he in his own head about the fact that the the field goal protection is very poor? I'm not sure, but I think he's definitely in his own head because he he goes from making every field goal we ask of him for a season, and then making what the first nine this season to now he he can't kick a 32 yarder. It's I think it's it's just like a receiver who's struggling with drops. At some point, you just get in your own head, and the ball's coming to you, and you're thinking, hope I don't drop this, hope I don't drop this, hope I don't drop this, and then you drop it. Hope I don't miss this kick, and then it's it's wide left. I think that's kind of what Crosby's dealing with. I think the obvious answer, though, is to score touchdowns. Yeah, that's a great point. Let's just score more touchdowns and maybe maybe score more points as well. And while we're at it, win more games. Honestly. Yeah, I hate this losing thing. Yeah, me too. It sucks. Anyway, uh, Fede Ruiz asks, why do we have to suffer like this? Thoughts? I don't know. I think we suffer less than Vikings fans. Good point. Moving on. (laughs) I guess it's my turn here. Why the F did we lose? Uh, How would you position the offensive line with and without David? This one from JC Malia 63. Um, 63, Corey Lindsley missed that guy. Uh, how, how would I position it without David? It's going to be Yash, John Runyon Jr. at left guard, Patrick at center, 
Royce at right guard, Bill at right tackle. And the only thing that changes with David is you sub Yash out for David. And it sucks, but it's like I said earlier, I don't know how much a, a left tackle upgrade really matters for an offensive line. It's such a, such a weak link unit. You know, your offensive line is only as good as its weakest link. And before we were going to upgrade two of those positions, two of those weakest links were going to get upgraded. Now it's only one. So uh, it's not as exciting, but it's, it's at least it helps having a left tackle protecting the blind side, right? Yeah. I mean, the unit is what it is until they add somebody to the, the roster or something unforeseen, but yeah, the unit is what it is. Um, Yash without you obviously it's Yash and, and David that are switching really that's the only difference I would say um not without now not there anymore that's it's really not not too complicated at this point I've I've gotten a few that are asking when are we gonna fire the trainer guys it's oh my god yeah there's nothing you, you have can to do, do you about blame the trainer tear. Yeah, There's not well. I, mean, I, I that that thing is so. People just look for people to blame. That's how head coaches and GMs get fired for things that they can't really control a lot of the time. But you know, when you're talking about the trainer, first of all, nobody really knows the trainer's name. I'm guessing most fans don't, and and he has nothing to do with the fact that, you know, like is he he doesn't tell p- players how to not get injured. I mean, like it just happens. Think about last year when we were so healthy for most of the year and. Lose, not really losing many guys apart from, you know, when we lost Corey and, and Devontae. Aaron Rodgers has been healthy, you know, like he's been everything. He, he's been great these past three years staying healthy for us. Most of these guys haven't been hurt. This year, it's kind of caught up to us, the fact that we haven't had many injuries these past two, and now this year we've had more injuries. It sucks. David was the one exception, I would say, right? Um, but they're they're piling up this year, but you can't just blame some guy, you know, who has a job, you know, in the weight room. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't make any there's sense. There's no there's no Michael Jordan secret stuff that you can spray on Elton's knee to make it not tear. I mean, it's in 2019, we had no injuries, and that's why we won 13 games, even though we weren't that great of a team. And in, that's why a lot of people saw us regressing in 2020 because regression is a real thing in the NFL. That's why there's so much parity in the NFL, more, th- more so than any other sport. Because injuries, it's such a physical sport, so much contact. You're literally 300-pounders pushing each other over for 60 minutes. It's uh, These things, luck goes your way one season, and then it swings the other direction another year. And this year, it's it's luck is not in our favor. And hopefully, the most you can do is pray to whatever god you believe in, the football gods, to please make it stop because <laughs> I'm blaming the trainer. It's, it's not going to do anything. Jay Graf 21 asks, do you think this team can win a Super Bowl without our star defensive players? Yeah, I do. I do. I, I think, I think, uh, the, the guys we have in now, we've seen them play well in big games that there's, there's certainly no doubt that they can put together a playoff stretch. And it, it this is so true in the NFL. Just get to the dance, you know, just even if we're not the top speed, top seed, we saw the Bucks do it last year. We saw the Packers do it in 2010. Just get to the dance. Anything can happen. You can put together a string of four or five games that, that no one sees coming. I guess my only, only concern. Play. Yeah. My only concern is like what we saw with the Bucks last year, where they just took advantage of the fact that Kevin King and Shannon Sullivan were the two guys out there at corner for us. One of them's undrafted. The other is the most inconsistent player on our football team. And they just, Tom Brady just exploited them. Uh, pretty much that whole first half and there was nothing we could do because they were you know they they're like 
they're bodies that can play and you know they do provide something once in a while but like for the most part they're not gonna like they're not Jair right so what Tom Brady decided to do was just like they go into the game plan looking like you know Kevin King can be exploited Shannon Sullivan is you know he wasn't drafted for a reason like these guys uh you know he he can be exploited if if they make the right like him against Antonio Brown or him against Chris Godwin in the slot right like that's not an advantageous matchup for us. And they were just like, our players better than theirs. Let's just go to that and let's just see if it works. And it did. And we still almost won the game, but like that was one of the main issues. So like now it's Rasul Douglas. He has to keep playing well, but it's possible like that he can't match up with some of these guys eventually. Like when you get into the, the bucks or the Rams with these good receivers, that's a possibility. And that's the kind of thing that I worry about if we don't have Jair and we don't have Z Z a little less because of what Rashawn and Preston have been able to do this year. But, you know, it'd be great to have those three all in, on the field at the same time. And I think Jair, he's going to – him returning is going to make or break us, if you if you ask me. Yeah, that's huge. Having all those guys just push further down the depth chart obviously makes a big difference. All right, this one from Reese English, friend of the show. Will Mason Crosby's struggles be the downfall of this team? Uh, I certainly hope not. I mean, that's kind of a playoff loss that we haven't experienced yet, right? A missed field goal or a missed extra point in a big moment like that. Haven't really been through that. So, I mean, based on the based on the Packers' current track record of breaking my heart in every way possible, maybe that could happen, but I certainly hope not. Okay, we'll do uh, a few more here. Um, uh, VDaddy12 asks, How long will Rodgers stay in Green Bay? And J-R-D-N-H-A-M, don't know what, I don't know how to say that. Do you think Rodgers will stay in Green Bay after this season? So both of those questions kind of in unison. Um, there was a video circulating uh, these past couple days of Rodgers with David Bakhtiari on a golf cart um, talking to the people from Packers Germany, um, a site on you know different social media platforms. Um, and he talked about playing in Germany with the Packers um, next season. He said those words. Um, you can check out the post that I made about it. I mean, that's certainly something. I don't know if it seals the deal that he's coming back or anything, but I mean, it seems like he's he feels good about his standing with the team. This is off-season talk, but just to I, – I would say I feel much better about him being the quarterback of this team now than I have – at the start of the season or when, when it was signed and sealed and delivered that he was going to be traded after this year. I don't think that's the case now. I feel like he wants to be in Green Bay. Um, and so I have high hopes that he will be back. Yeah, I agree. Every week that passes, it feels more and more like he's going to be back, knowing all the all the friends he has on the team. Preston, he's become good friends with. Uh, Cobb, obviously. Bakhtiari. Devontae. God, I, I want... Aaron back, if nothing more than just so Devontae can stay, because Devontae's not staying without Aaron. But yeah, it feels like he's going to stay. It feels like the team, I don't think they're ready to start Jordan after that Chiefs performance, um, even before that, honestly. I, I think they wanted to start him in year three. That was their ideal plan, because remember, all summer they were saying that Rodgers is our quarterback for this year and beyond. So I think beyond meant the year after as well, because I think that's the optimal time to move on if you're if you're Brian Gutekunst, and I, just like they started Rodgers in year three, did they? Was it year three or year four? Because you had five and then six and then seven. Okay, he sat so they, three. They started Rodgers in, yeah, they started Rodgers in year four. 
That's a long time. I cannot imagine they'll do that with love. Um, maybe they will. I don't know. Should they? Maybe. Yeah, that's offseason talk, though. But yeah, I think he's going to stay beyond this year. How about this one from uh, our good friend Max? How you doing, Max? Uh, how concerned are we about the offensive line? Uh, I'm pretty concerned. I'm not going to lie. Without Elton, it makes it even worse. But even with Elton, I was concerned because we obviously we talked about this. We don't know what to expect from Bakhtiari. If he's going to return, if he's out for the year, what's going on? No one will tell us anything. And we got to stick with Royce Newman at right guard. Uh, Bill Turner was committed penalties like we've never seen from him before. Lucas is not great at center. Uh, this week against Aaron Donald, I think it's going to be very telling because if Matt LaFleur can kind of counter that with a quick game, with just offensive schematics and game planning that take him in the pass rush out of the game, then I'll feel, I'll feel a little bit better. I'll feel confident that we have a coach who can do those things and the offensive line isn't that big of a deal but i mean in the run game just forget about it it's it's not going to happen the only only way we get productivity on the ground is aj dillon trucking people and that's not very it's not very reliable on from snap to snap so uh in pass protection i guess we'll see i this this week's going to be big someone made a comment not a question but they said if debak and elton don't come back this year rogers will be like mahomes was last year in the super bowl um, I mean, like that's, you know, that's you think really about that, right? Dude. Isn't yeah? Oh, it makes you think. I mean, that was that was the issue, right? Like the Bucks pass rush just took advantage of the weakness of the. I mean, the Chiefs O line was hurt. I mean, that was the issue. That was an and, issue. That was an issue in the NFC Championship game. That was one of the reasons we lost. Was no Bakhtiari. Right. I mean, well, now we don't have David or Elton at this moment. I hopefully we have. If we have David, I think we'll. It's just like him being there is so key. I feel like Rodgers will be more comfortable as a whole, but to not have Elton in the inside is just definitely – he won't be that same comfortability level. But, yeah, there's certainly a concern there about a potential collapse if these young guys are just getting beat. Of, uh, think about it. Like if it's the Bucks in the championship again, like all these pass rushers they have and the guys that – I mean, they're very veteran professionals like they're they're like guys that are going to compete at a high level and if it's Elton not being there these guys on the inside are going to have trouble and that could be the downfall for sure but I mean there's a lot of negative hypothetical stuff like but it's the sad reality of of what it could be possibly um without Elton on the field for us after the loss I was kind of just sitting in my chair sulking a little bit thinking what if this was a playoff loss? I I almost don't even want to talk about this, but like I'm not prepared. Talking about the Bucks and what Rogers potentially looking like Mahomes in the Super Bowl, I can't I'm I'm not I'm not emotionally prepped for this, dude. This has gotta be the year, and it's gonna be the year. And that's gonna do it for today's show. It's week eleven, third loss of the year, but hey man, it's part of our journey to our fifth Lombardi trophy and it's going to come this season. And am I fully confident when I say that? Maybe not completely, but I'm very hopeful and that's all you need, right? Uh, anyways, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode discussing the Rams game and uh, maybe we'll have a guest for, for the bye week. We're still working on that, but stay tuned for that. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes and leave a review. Shoot us a DM on Instagram at Today in Titletown or on Twitter at Today Titletown. No in. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at AllDayPackers. You can follow Braun at Lambo.Leapers. And uh, we'll be back next week. 
Go Petco. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back. Uh, hopefully after a big win against the Rams, that'll be a good way to overcome this tough loss against the Vikings. As we move forward, like Griff said, pushing for a Super Bowl. Once again, thank you for listening. Go Pack Go. Oh.